Welcome to the Customer Service Gold Dust Podcast. This is the UK's only podcast where customer experience professionals share their journey, insights, challenges, and current focus in an ever-changing customer service landscape. My name is Gavin Scott, and I invite you to join us as we delve into another great conversation. Whether you want to increase customer satisfaction or decrease customer complaints, there's sure to be plenty of gold dust that will help you to stand out. Okay, welcome to the Customer Service Gold Dust podcast. And today's guest, we have Jerry Davis. Now, I first met Jerry back in, I think it was 2014, 2015, when I was asked to deliver one of my keynotes at an annual sales conference with a large energy provider. And it's fair to say that uh, we got a good connection on the day. And so ever since we've connected via email, LinkedIn, and the occasional phone call conversation here and there. I mean, phone calls, Jerry, were so last year, aren't we? Well, you know, I mean, phone calls are pretty last year, but at least the technology works. And we've all probably had enough of Zoom and webcast and Teams and all the rest of it to last us a lifetime. But yeah, no, I do remember that day back in 2014, I think it was 2014. We used to have a quarterly conference with the 60 team leaders in a, in a big contact centre and a said energy provider. We probably had one speaker for every quarter, and you were the one that we all one of the ones that we all remembered. There were one or two less memorable ones. Your lessons stick with us, and I'd like to see some of them pop up in your uh, your gold dust book as well. No, definitely, and that that's great to hear. And it's always nice to know that you've had that positive, lasting impression. If I remember rightly, I'm sure it was in Scotland where I first met you. Yep, that's that's where most of our contact centres were. We used to we used to love dragging people from the rest of the country to Scotland because that's where ninety percent of the people were. It was always great hospitality. And we, we we remembered your story of being a football rep. We thought that was a good, empathetic building with it, with the audience. How tough can my life be? It could it be worse than being a football ref, working in a, in a big energy provider, being shouted at for twelve hours a day? Well, this is it. And I've certainly taken some stick over the years as a football referee. So hopefully we'll have none of that uh, in the session today, Jerry. But listen, you know, it's great to have you. Uh, welcome to the show. And so let's get stuck in then, shall we? So tell us a little bit about your background and some of the roles that you've carried out. I've worked for a couple of big FTSE 100 companies. I've also worked in a consulting world. And I've done, I've done a mix of, it's all been customer facing mainly in sales and customer service and a bit of commercial stuff. And I've done work really in two main areas. One is face-to-face sales. You know, everything. I started my life in the corporate world with uh, managing a team of, of door knockers, so people literally going down door-to-door in London in about 1944, 1994, not that old, 1994, <laughs> selling uh, cable TV, phone, broadband a little bit later, uh, they were also selling things they shouldn't have been selling, like guns and roses, uh, drugs, and all sorts. And that my, sort of my first big job was to sort that out. And I progressed from there into the customer service and contact centre world, seen quite a lot of changes. And, and every few years, it's all sort of doom and gloom. The, the call centre is dead. Customers don't want to talk. They, they don't want voice anymore. They want web chats at a minimum, preferably not even that. And I'm not sure I always agree with that, actually. I think you know, there the, the, have been many false, uh, false dawns on the death of the contact centre in terms of voice. And I'm pleased to see it seems to be coming back a little bit at the moment. So uh, that's where most of my career has been. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a place for that, you know, that human-to-human connection. And I know there's, there's loads of tech at the moment that certainly helps to 
ensure that customers can self-serve better. But there's going to be a large number of people, I believe, who still want to have that human conversation with someone. So let's go go from 1944 or 1994 when you were you were you were door knocking uh, as as a salesperson back in the day. And let's fast forward to the present day then, shall we? And so when we think about the customer experience, why would you say the customer experience is so important in the current climate then? I think now it's depending on, on the sector and it varies between sector and sector, of course. But most sectors, and we'll perhaps come on to this in a second, most sectors, it, it's potentially a key differentiator. So where I've been for the last three or four years has been in the home delivery and B2B parcels market, so kind of express parcels. And everything from caterers to you know, big fashion chains and e-commerce, the delivery experience is increasingly important. It's not just a matter of, you know, I want the, the goods and I want the, the right price and I don't care when I get them. People want them today, tomorrow, Sunday at one o'clock. They want it when it's convenient for them. That's really, really key. So the whole end-to-end customer experience is really important. If you sort of take it back up the ladder a little bit to the sort of contact center experience, it's becoming the norm. And when I started off in telecom a few years ago, 25 years ago, it wasn't uncommon to have wait times of half an hour. We used to, we used to throw a cheer when we got to 25 minutes wait time in a, in a customer service call center. Nowadays, you would not, you just would not get away with that. It wouldn't last long. So the customer experience is, is such a key opportunity for companies and those that don't see it as a cost center, but they see it potentially as a competitive advantage. I think they're the ones that are really winning right now and have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And it got me thinking about delivery drivers then and you know, they are the face of the organization. And so that the end-to-end experience is still massively important, the interaction that they have with the drivers, whether they're delivering parcels or something else. It's still got to be right, hasn't it? And I, and I know there's plenty of companies at the moment that use tech really well to, to help customers to understand who's coming to their door, creating that emotional connection, well, you're right. The end-to-end journey is key. That that human interaction is also massively important when it comes to to getting that stuff. Right. I mean, can you think yourself of a of an experience that's made you sit there and think, you know, wow, now that's what customer experience is all about? Can you think of one, an example at all, Jerry? Probably have two or three of, of those a day. I mean, I think I think one the other day, I, I was having a bit of a bit of a groan about something. It was the empathy that I got from the person on the other end of the phone. Instead of, you know, computer says no, or I'm not allowed to do that, it's just, a, oh, that's, that's really terrible. You must be really awful about this. It must be really bad. And I was thinking, hey, this person understands the sort of pain I'm going through. It wasn't yeah. actually a big pain, but it felt like it to me at the time. And they diffused the whole thing. Because handling correctly, like a lot of people, you, you can start getting a bit a bit bristly. And some people, you know, we've all been on the end, I'm sure, of some very rude phone calls. The person just diffused it really, really well. And that's a very small example the agent next to them, the customer service colleague next to them, might have handled it completely differently. Now, this wasn't, wasn't in the script, and it wasn't from a company, beyond the name, and it wasn't a company particularly well-known for, for handling calls well. But it's that kind of approach, understanding what was going to work for me. I've done a lot in the past with the kind of technology, you, but you try and match up types of people, so the inbound calling or the outbound calling, with the kind of person that the agent is. And that's hugely effective in getting the call off to a good start. Yeah. And, and, and this, let's just delve deeper into that whole piece around empathy. And if you think about the current climate with the pandemic, what's the reason that you think empathy is so important when it comes to how uh, people provide the level of service today? Why is empathy important, do you think? People like the personal touch. They want to, they want to feel understood. They want to feel that they are being heard. It's about being listened to. 
and that someone's going to act on their behalf. And they're not just being dismissed as, and I think this is this is the beauty of some of the you know the, the, the voice channel work. It's it's very easy to build empathy. You do it on social as well by using the right language, tone, words, and and, and the, the expressions. But I think that that's people are expecting that, and the companies that are capitalising on it are realising it's not actually that expensive to do. It's a matter of ingraining in your in your colleagues that the value of doing this sort of work, and the, and the smart companies. Are hiring the right people. They're also incentivizing them. It's not all about money, but they're incentivizing them to to treat people in that sort of way and, and to respond in a very human way and building the rights of empathy and going on to, to find a solution that works the customer there and then. Yeah, I mean, I think it's massively important when we look at the customer service landscape today. You know, it's changed dramatically in the last twelve months, and and being able to have that imaginative leap into someone else's shoes. I think is massively important today. And so I heard someone describe recently that empathy is about walking with one foot in your shoe and the other in that of the customer. And I just thought, yeah, that's just a great way of looking at it, being able to really see things from their perspective and, and connect with them and where possible relate uh, if they can. That's really interesting because we've all um, had to adapt to the pandemic to a different way of working. And a lot of people have, have said to me, people who are working at home now, answering customer queries, whether it be uh, voice or non-voice. And they're saying, actually, because I haven't got someone breathing back down my neck and I can't see the calls waiting, I haven't got a team leader trying to interfere, frankly, um, I'm able to be myself. And I probably am saying things that aren't necessarily in the script. It's making me be a lot more human. And it's it's just different working from home. And other kind of things that we've heard in the past from people who've always worked at home in this sort of environment, but now nearly everybody is doing it. It's very interesting. People feel they've got permission to behave quite differently. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you think about it, people, there's a lot of people up and down the country and across the world at the moment who are, you know, answering phone calls at home. Maybe because they're more relaxed, they can provide that more human touch. They feel more comfortable, therefore they can, that can show up in their behaviours. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens when we, we go back to a normal world or, or the new norm, as they say, and whether people can still continue to, show up with that good level of empathy, which is certainly a must when it comes to the customer experience. One word of caution on all of this. I think there's a there's a lot of people that I talk to, as I'm sure you do, who are patting themselves on the back that they've you know, discovered home working by accident. And isn't it easy? And why weren't we doing it in the past? And let's close out all our offices and have everyone working from home. Now, there's a real risk there You know that you've got a bunch of people who are used to working in an office. They've been trained to do that. You can stick them at home for a year and, and they get on fine. But when you don't have the infrastructure to support them, whether it's the kit or the, the training and development and the call monitoring, whatever it is you do, and then when it comes to hiring new people, it's very different to, to just set them working from home without the right infrastructure. You cannot just think that you know a home PC and a phone set up will uh, we'll see them through. It's a whole different approach. So companies that, that don't uh, take heed of that, I think will we'll prepay the price when we hopefully get back to something approaching normality. No, it's a great call. And let's just have a look at that then in a bit more detail, because I'm sure some of the listeners will be thinking, okay, you know, what are some of the things that we can do, some of the simple things that we can do to, to help to make sure that we keep that level of engagement up with our people who are currently working remotely? And so what would be some of your advice that you would you would share there then, Jerry, in terms of, you know, keeping a connection with people who are working remotely at the moment? I think the same sort of thing applies remotely as working working in the office. It just needs to be adapted. 90% of it is is pretty much common sense. And the people that really get this are the people that have been there 
in the shoes of a, of a customer service colleague who's actually done that job or made an effort to find out what it really involves. I've, I've worked in plenty of environments where uh, my colleagues on the front line didn't understand where the business was going. And when they didn't understand where the business was going, every crazy thing that came through from head office, they thought was a crazy thing from head office. But yeah. by somebody actually standing up in front of them regularly and saying maybe once a month, they're right, this is where we're going, this is what we're up to, this is our business, these are the challenges, what the competition's up to, this is the new products coming down the line, we've got a big system thing coming up next month, it's going to be awful, maybe not quite that sort of language, you know what I mean, but we actually being clear <laughs> about you know, what, what's, even what's the five-year journey, as long as that, because this is the journey we're going on, it enables people then to, to slot in the different experiences. So when something happens or the proposition changes or the competition does something, ah, oh, yeah, I remember um, Jerry or someone else came up and talked to us about that, and now it's happening. Right, it's part of the journey. They, they can follow a map. They've got a reference point. So that's the, the key thing I would advise. The second, I think, to adapt to our pandemic is just, just keep the communication going, but do it in a variety of ways. Um, don't send memos out to people and track they've read them and tell them off they don't read them. If they don't read them, it's they're not interesting. Track they're not being read, but find out why and send them in a different format or yeah. do a voice call or something that's going to appeal to, to update people in, in a... In a telephony environment, it's very easy to do. There is no excuses for, for poor communications and not keeping people abreast of, of what's happening. I think the final point is really the sort of the feedback loop. It shouldn't all be one way. People need to be able to, to check in. So I advise all, all leaders and managers, frontline up to the you know, chief of deck, have, have time for your, um, your team to check in. You know, in the last year, um, my boss has, has given us time every day. Yeah. Uh, the board people we've checked in for half an hour talked about you know what's going on and often it's just sort of just didn't get things off your chest and it, it really does, does help in this kind of environment okay great and so there's some, certainly some some key little shares there which, which i'm sure that our listeners will benefit from so just just thinking about this and let's look at the contact centers uh, and just let's delve deeper into this subject of attrition because we know that attrition levels in contact centers can often be quite high and so what would be some of your suggestions that will help to ensure that you can keep hold of some of your good people? What would you? What are your thoughts around that, Jerry? Well, good question. Uh, no, I, I've been in several environments where attrition has been as high as three, four, four hundred percent in one case. So everyone's leaving every three months. That's what four hundred percent means. That's that's pretty bad. If you're in that sort of territory where you've got like that sort of high turnover, whatever you do. Is going to make your life very, very difficult if you're forever hiring or training and people are just walking out the door. There is a serious problem if you have a tradition like that in, in any contact centre. But the key thing is to understand what are, what are the leads you need to pull. And in my experience, people look very simplistically and they'll, they'll, they'll pull one of one lever. They'll say, okay, it's all about a base salary. And often that helps, but it's, it's not the key thing. Where I've found it's normally been a, a, a whole programme of about between sort of 20 and 30 things that you've got to do working environment to communicating the big plan to hiring the right set of people having the right profile treating people as humans there's elements of reward the sort of call types they get the customers you don't want to get somebody on those sort of most difficult calls 10 hours a day and on the, on the most awkward shifts and out uh, each day you want to vary it up a little bit there's a big opportunity to to make things work better for your colleagues and the business and, and your customers by addressing those there is no silver bullet it needs a, it needs a program of action bespoke to the situation to bring, bring that down yeah, so yeah, that, that whole piece around, you know, pulling the right levers and often it's not just one lever, there can be, I think you said 20 or 30 different levers and it's about, you know, working out what, what are the right ones for the individuals that you're working with and, and pull the right lever for them, if one for a better approach. 
And so let's just um, look at technology then, because I'm sure there's some key technologies that you've embraced in, in contact centers. And can you think of some of the some of the technology that you've used that's absolutely made a difference to the customer experience? Yeah, there, there, there's plenty about 25 or 30 that I've used over the years that have, that have really helped. There's also an awful lot of stuff that is great technology, but it's, it's, it's a solution to a problem that no one's really got. And you can spend a lot of money on the latest kit. And unless you have the right kit for your situation and you adopt the kit in the right way, so the right sort of the whole behavioral piece and explaining it and talking to people and train it in, then it, then it won't work. So I've seen a lot of people put a piece of kit in and think, hey, presto, it's going to be brilliant. But they don't put it in holistically and it fails. So some mm-hmm. examples, um, cool blending is probably one of them. In, in, in one of my, my roles with, with a big energy provider, we, we had a lot, of, a lot of people doing outbound calls, uh, about 500 people, 600 doing that, and some of them were doing inbound. And in the winter, lines used to get busy. Boilers would break down, that kind of thing. And we couldn't answer those very cells which called. People were phoning up saying, fix my boiler and I need a policy with you or I want to sign up. Couldn't get to them. So we'd abandon chunk of calls. Right. By, by, by using some blending technology, it wasn't that difficult. We were able to make sure that we switched people between call types. Really simple. So we'd put 200 people from outbound on inbound when lines got busy. We didn't drop any or hardly ever dropped any calls. That really worked well for customers. It worked well for us from that position point of view. Online follow-up, where a customer goes online, comes out the digital journey. There's some great kit out there to enable you to follow that up straight away. Uh, a lot of companies do it really, really well. You know, when, when I did it, we got it down to about five minutes. You get a you get a contact within five minutes of coming out of the digital journey. That's an incredibly powerful stuff when done in the right way. And matching up agents with customers, when we touched on a little bit earlier, was uh, the, the right sort of, if you put the right sort of customer with the right sort of agent, you get a much better outcome. It, it gets your call off onto the right footing. And it will, you know, I've seen it improve productivity by a typically sort of five or ten percent. You get a better MPS score usually out of the end of it. And if it's a sales call conversation, you get a, a much better conversion rate. These are some of the things that are perhaps not quite so common. We've all heard about some of the uh, big contacts and the platforms, but even more sort of niche products that can really help a business operate much more effectively. No, brilliant. So there's uh, three great shares there. So this let's just uh, Let's draw it to a close then. So a quick final question then. Will customer service be replaced by robots? Will customer service be replaced by robots? I think there's a, I think there's a place for um, robotic chat. No, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it will be. I think it would be very, very dangerous if it was. But yeah, you, you used in the right way. There's opportunity. Uh, but yeah, I'd be really cautious to, uh, to do that right now. Absolutely. Like we said before, you know, we definitely, people have that, they, they enjoy the human connection. And I think it's important that we definitely keep that. So let's have a look then. Finally, uh, a few tips then for our listeners then in terms of the gold dust then, Jerry. So what would be your top tips for listeners when it comes to creating exceptional customer experiences in the current climate? I think mine's pretty pretty high level, really. Um, my, my major tip, based on, I've got, I've got the scars to prove it from you know, two and a half decades of trying to sort this, but the key thing is to understand who owns customer service in your organisation. And if yeah. someone points to the customer service director, you've got a problem. They may be the facilitator, but it's only when uh, you have shared ownership and you really, really understand what your customers are looking for that you start to get an organisation that capitalises on that. Now, there aren't many organisations that don't say, Customers really important. It's just one of the things that you say, but it's actually how they they enact that. Perhaps not helpful if we, if we give you an example. I've I've seen very frequently 
Uh, let's take, let's let's pick on digital. They're they're they're, they're today boys and girls, but let's just pick on them for a minute. It's only fair. Yeah. I've seen many 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 instances where we said, hey, these digital team are reading well. Look, they've ripped out all these phone calls. Conversion rate on the calls they do get has actually remained the same. They're still selling, but their conversion rates are sort of tiny compared to voice interaction. And they they should be saying, uh, look, we're going to take these calls out, but let's just let's also look behind the scenes at. Uh, are, these, are, these, are these calls where customers want to buy, but we're not actually talking about our products and services? Because we're missing that big opportunity. And I've seen that happen numerous times where we, we've said, hey, haven't we done well? We've taken a load of calls out and we've actually sent out some got a load of calls that we probably shouldn't have done that were more naturally voice calls. The customers wanted a voice call and it would have been better return to the organization. Now, in a true customer-centric business, you should have a digital team that says, hey, hang on, we shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't need a ref to come on the pitch and say, hey, foul, you're taking calls, it shouldn't be taken out. So it's where the organization absolutely understands the value of, of customer service and demonstrates that on a daily basis, not only for their customers, but their employees. That rarely happens, frankly, in my experience, but they're, they're the true winners. No, you're right. And, and I think when, when everyone can see the real impact that they can all have on the customer experience, then that in itself is going to make a massive difference when it comes to how easy it is for customers to interact with them. So listen, that's a, a great share. Jerry, listen, we could talk to you for a long time and I think we might have to get you on for it as, as a guest again, but uh, thanks for your time there. If our listeners want to make contact with you or get in touch, how can they, how can they find you? I mean, I'm uh, Jerry with a G, Davis, D-A-V-I-S on LinkedIn for the best way. Yeah, connect with me there. Like, if I can help anybody or share any experiences, absolutely delighted to do that. Thank you. Thank great you stuff. Me. Thanks, Jerry. You take care, stay safe, and we will see you in the not-too-distant future. Thank you for listening to the Customer Service Gold Dust podcast. I'm sure that there are plenty of ideas you can take away and apply to your business today. Three things to do now. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can benefit from every episode. I'd also love to see a little review as well. This helps to spread the word and the gold dust, of course. Head over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Finding Gold Dust. How to Create Exceptional Customer Experiences. The book is endorsed by a former executive vice president of Walt Disney Resorts. And finally, visit my website at www.gavinscott.me and sign up for some more free content. Until next time, stay memorable.